This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The, the, the motion, um, I'm going to let the, the, the uh, participants get straight down to it. Social media is killing art. So... The four participants, the distinguished members of the panel, Lisa Schiff, Aaron Sito, uh, um, Alexi Glass-Canter, and Ryan Gander. I'm going to introduce each of them properly as they speak, and we're going to start for the motion with Ryan Gander, who is one of Britain's most acclaimed contemporary artists, um, who's established his uh, international reputation through a, a hugely diverse body of sculpture, film, writing, and performance, among other things. He's recently staged solo exhibitions at the Aspen Art Museum, the Contemporary Art Gallery in Vancouver. He's featured in the Venice Biennale, the Carnegie International and Documenta. In 2017, he was awarded an OBE for services to contemporary arts. One day, he'll deign to join the Royal Academy of Arts in London. Um, Gander's published a number of books and won numerous prestigious prizes and is the co-founder of Fairfield International, which is a new model of residential art school to inspire new modes of thought about art. So, welcome to the podium for the motion, Ryan Gander. Hello, my name's Ryan and I'm a human. Um, I come in peace. Everyone's got loads of notes and I've just got one scrappy bit of paper. I'm addicted to Instagram. And uh, I've given up twice. Um, Usually after we go on holiday with the family at Christmas, I get back and for New Year... I give up, and it, it's lasted one year once, and it lasted three months, one year. Um, we're not allowed phones at the table in our house anymore because I was feeding my two-year-old with a spoon, and I got apple on her cheek because I was looking at my phone while I was feeding her. And my wife said, enough's enough. Um, I've also never debated before. I'm not even talking about social media, am I? I've also never debated before because I didn't go to a school for clever people. Um, and I've, I've never even been to a debate before, and um, I don't like arguing. So this is probably a total disaster. But in all seriousness, I do have um, massive misgivings about Instagram, apart from my personal addiction. And that's because, number one, I teach, and I see a lot of students. And number two, I see aesthetics changing. Um, And number three, I see people not understanding what visual language is anymore. So, for me, and what I do, the world is a very beautiful, amazing place, full of great humans who've developed it in interesting cultural ways. And you go outside and you see a million different amazing things. And there's things that make the hair stand up on your arm and make you shiver a little bit, if the valve is open. Um... Social media is closing that valve. I don't know what the valve's called. 
because I'm not a doctor, but I'm sure there is a valve. Um, I'd say that the art world is changing or almost dividing into two realms. The cognitive art that, you know, your brain thinking and the retinal, the retina. And I would say that social media only really caters for retinal art and retinal art um, along with the collapsing of time because you only have three seconds to absorb this stuff means that you're getting a lot of shiny stuff and unicorn and sad clown paintings <laughs> and emo- emojis. Emojis is a form of visual language, but it's a language for babies. So if you imagine I learned Russian for 20 years, so I'm really fluent in Russian. I would be. I don't speak Russian. I learned visual language. Um, you don't either... You don't, um, Think of visual language like you would Russian, but it is. You dedicate two decades to learning it, and you become eloquent, and you have good intonation in the way that you use the language, and your vocab improves, and you become more subtle. Emojis are like uh, one of my kids trying to speak Russian. It's like gaga. It's like the, the most cliched, narrowed down... Um, superficial, um, concentrated language. And it doesn't say a lot. Uh, so what I did is I went on my Instagram. It's Ryan J. Gander, if you want to <laughs> follow me. Uh, and I wrote down some comments because I was thinking about also with my students the critical discourse that Instagram provides them. And I'm talking about Instagram a lot, but I'm not on any other social media, so... Um, So in the last three images that I posted of artworks, these were some of the comments that I received. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Jealous. Don't understand. Really good, which good was spelt wrong. Seen seen this before. Someone someone always thinks that, don't they? They probably haven't. Uh, Is this real? Then there was a heart eye emoji. There was a blue heart emoji. There was a three thumbs up emoji. One said, what is it? And one said, I don't get it. Um, Obviously, I didn't respond to any of those questions. And I just ignored the statements. And I didn't do that because I couldn't get anything out of it. Because, you know, when you... Like, sometimes I'm interviewed about my work. And the interviewer will come. And they'll, they'll have a conversation. They'll ask me a question. And I'll respond. And then they'll ask another question from the response that I've given them. And there'll be a trajectory to the conversation. And it will end up somewhere where you didn't expect. This is the sign of a quality interview. A terrible interview will be when someone comes with a list of questions and they read them out and they don't listen to you and they don't respond. And I think that's kind of like a good analogy also. Because the problem with social media is it's great for giving information, but it's terrible for communication because it lacks response, it lacks time, it lacks conviction. Um, what else can you say? Oh, I, I, made, uh, I was in Japan last week doing a program for the BBC. And while I was there, the director said to me that the BBC motto, the mission statement, which I didn't know, was make good programs popular and popular programs good. And as soon as he said it, I started to think about this debate because I'm not gonna, I don't want to argue and say it's terrible social. 
Am I totally ruining the debate? I don't really want to argue. I just, I just think that there is serious implications to it. Um, and the work that I see can't, can't touch me, like when I go and see work in reality. Um, and we really need to safeguard quality. And there's just a lot of garishness that makes me worry that visual language is being condensed and people are forgetting how to look and how to approach art in a human way. It's obviously completely against the spirit of the debate to be nuanced, generous-spirited, and um, say you don't like arguing, but that could be the most brilliantly disingenuous strategy to win the audience round. <laughs> so on every level, um, that was great. In fact, the tweet's coming through now with full of emojis with thumbs up. Right, <laughs> um, now, second up, and speaking uh, for the first time against the motion, Lisa Schiff, President and Senior Advisor of SF Art Advisory. She's a leading art advisor. She's over a decade of experience building private collections and foundations. Her company has offices in New York, Los Angeles, Portland, and London. She also co-founded Via Art, a non-profit organization dedicated to supporting artistic production, thought leadership, and public engagement. Lisa's lectured extensively on contemporary art and sits on the board of trustees of the Sculpture Center in New York and the Founders Board of LAX Art. Lisa Schiff. Hi. Can I <laughs> My name is Lisa Schiff. I attended a public high school in Miami, Florida. I was not on the debate team. There was no debate team. I was a cheerleader and a pom-pom girl with the marching band. And now I am hashtag an art advisor. Here we go. Social media does not kill art. The seemingly intangible nature of the forces that own it, corral it, and display it must be revealed by artists. Marcel Duchamp, conceptual artist and chess player. Quote, you know exactly what I think of photography. I would like to see it make people despise painting until something else will make photography unbearable. Michelle Cuo, editor of Art Forum. Quote, art must think the unthinkable. Art must counter image with image, constructing pictures, but also precipitating their undoing, their disruption, their unmooring. Lauren Cornell, curator. Quote, I discovered Juliana Huxtable on Instagram. Leonardo DiCaprio, artist, Oscar winner, environmentalist, art collector, and my boss with 17.3 million Twitter followers, quote, climate change is real. It is happening right now. It is the most urgent threat facing our entire species, and we need to work collectively together and stop procrastinating. After saying this at his Oscars acceptance speech, his social media went up 600%, and so did searches for climate change. Peter Rousseau, writer, critical thinker, and founder of Triple Canopy. Social media won't kill art. Rather, collectors, dealers, et al. need to increase their literacy when it comes to viewing and valuing art made for or merely circulated on the web, because increasingly the web is the site of our first encounter with an artist's work. Lisa Schiff, single mom, plus one, 917-330, 
7855. I hate online dating. My type is always defined by smell, by pheromones. I cannot smell someone from their photo on their profile. I have no expectations that the image or description will prove real attraction in person. Just as I don't think that artwork posted on Instagram is an accurate encounter. Cartman, South Park character, created by Parker and Stone, the domier of our generation. Quote, I don't know if you have heard, but the government is actually able to monitor all of our emails and Twitter. With my new social media platform, Shitter, I don't even need a cell phone. My thoughts are sent directly to the internet and then to everyone else on Shitter. <laughs> Rikrit Tiravanija, artist and activist, quote, do we all dream under the same sky? Dis, Artist Collective. And this is from the most critical work in the fair called Narrative Devices at Project Native Informant, which I have a second reserve on. Quote, imagine a platform without ideas. Imagine developing a singular style that captivates the world. Harun Faruqi, artist, quote, because so many images already exist, I am discouraged to make new ones. I prefer to make a different use of pre-existing images, but not every image can be recycled. A hidden value must pre-exist. Stephen Hawking's physicist on METI, messaging to extraterrestrials or social media in space. Hashtag this is real. Quote, one day we might receive a signal from a planet like Gliese 832C, but we should be wary of answering back because they will be vastly more powerful and may not see us as any more valuable than we see bacteria. John Gerard, artist, quote, social media and art are cultural forms. They cannot kill each other. They can only breed and create hybrid forms. Death is not a possibility. Only change. Lisa Schiff, art advisor. Online porn is killing good sex. Donald Trump watches online porn. I am certain that he is not good in bed. He has 26.8 million hashtag fake followers on Twitter. Barack Obama, maybe, watches online porn from time to time. He is amazing in bed. He makes love like a great artist. He has 86 million followers. Corey Archangel, artist, quote, I am not so good on general thoughts on technology, to be honest. Though I would say VHS didn't kill movies, but opened up a new movie-watching experience in parallel with the in-real-time cinemas. Hennessy Youngman, YouTube artist, creator of Artist Thoughts on Post-Structuralism. Quote, you be like, this painting is truly transcendental, transcendental and post-structuralism is like, motherfucker, you can't step outside of history. What the fuck you smoking? You be like, the sky is blue, and post-structuralism is like, that's a deep cerulean. Get your colors right. You be like, I wish we could go, I wish the good old days 
I w- sorry, you'd be like, I wish we could go back to the good old days, and post-structuralism be like, um, which good old days do you mean? The good old days when people owned slaves, or when children worked in factories, or when people lived under the constant fear of nuclear annihilation? I hope this helped you understand, and I hope I wisened you, and I hope this video makes you a more desirable guest at art dinners. You know where to find me on the internet, y'all. Elon Musk, creative entrepreneur, quote, some people don't like change, but you need to embrace change if the alternative is disaster. Leo Shiwan, I'm not pronouncing it right, artist, at Global Art World, quote, I really feel like post-minimalism has lasted a long time now, but somehow I haven't found out if post-internet is a worthy replacement or if I have to wait for something else to become post before I jump on the bandwagon. Anyway, I must stay critical, because who else will if not me? At important policy. Quote, true. If you don't, who else will? Chow Fei, artist. Quote, the power for connection is not only infinite and creative, but also subversive and destructive. The internet as a medium provides a good model for interaction. But it depends on how the artist understands and handles its so-called borders. Michelle Kuo, editor of Art Forum. Quote, like spectacle, art seduces, frightens, incites, deranges. It glows. Art can and must foresee other pictures, other worlds, to which we can look and for which we must fight. Selena Gomez. I'm not sure what she does, but she's best friends with Taylor Swift. And she has over 100 million followers on social media. I think she's the highest in the world. Quote, I kind of like the idea of being scared. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 32nd President of the United States. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. That's it. The, um, the shitter feed has gone mad. There's a, <laughs> there's a Sean Spicer saying the president is a demon in bed. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, third up, and speaking for the motion, um, Alexi Glass-Canter, curator of Art Basel's Encounter section, which you've seen around the fair. Um, she's also executive director of Art Space in Sydney. Since 2000, she's curated over 100 exhibitions, collaborating with international artists across generations to develop projects throughout the Asia, Pacific, Europe, and North American regions, or even continents, I suppose. She regularly contributes to international catalogues, symposia, and journals. She's the chair of the Contemporary Art Organizations of Australia and sits on the academic board of the National Art School. Alexi. Thank you. I think that should have a bit of news was hashtag fake news. <laughs> I'm going to begin. Social media is a killer, and I have seen it kill. It is for this reason that I will be, along with Ryan, prosecuting the case that social media is killing art. The charges are social media, with intent to inflict grievous bodily harm, is the perpetrator of killing by means of dismemberment, arson, 
suffocation, drowning, in addition to the misdemeanors of collusion, deception, and theft. The verb to kill denotes both the death and demise of an entity, as well as the notion of putting an end to or causing a failure of something. Within this, there exists a plethora of ways that you can kill. You can accidentally kill a pet fish, you can kill a neighbor's houseplant, you can kill hope, you can kill a relationship, and you can kill a person. By any definition of the word, social media is killing contemporary art. To begin with, I want to be clear that we are speaking about social media, not the internet. Social media is one of those elusive things to define, like the infamous definition of pornography. We all know it when we see it. Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, or shit Snapchat, I'm not sure what it is. These social media platforms are meant to act as spaces for community-based interactive content sharing, but as I will demonstrate today, this utopian manifesto has collapsed into a rubble of vacuous narcissism, fake news, and poorly disguised advertising. Today, social media not only dictates every interaction we have with one another, but it dictates the nature of our cultural consumption. Within this new world order, contemporary art has become an aesthetic backdrop to vanity. Who in this room can say they haven't taken a shameless selfie in front of an Anish Kapoor or in front of an Art Basel booth? Our self-consuming sort of narcissism aside, I've selected seven examples of how social media is killing art, but trust me, there are thousands I could have chosen from. Number one, dismemberment. Social media has dismembered, mutilated, and maimed through a culture of egomania without remorse. Art has become the victim of Facebook's recent spate of self-aggrandizing and gratuitous self-loving crimes of passion. In 2014, the drunken Sartre was shattered after a visitor sat on its knee to take a photograph in Milan. In 2016, in Lisbon, a 126-year-old statue was destroyed when a viewer climbed upon it to take a Snapchat. In, th the 300, in 2015, the 300-year-old statue of two Hercules, inappropriately named it seems, suffered considerable damage when two art lovers mounted it for a selfie. Just last month, a visitor lost his footing while snapping a selfie in Kasama's infinity room, all the eternal love I have for pumpkins, causing the exhibition at the Herschel Museum to temporarily close and shattering a work of art valued at 800,000 US dollars. Social media, we're going to implement the rule. You break it, you buy it. Number two, arson. In a furious fire blazing out of control, trolls and online bullying are at an all-time high. A recent study shows that 88% of trolling occurs on Twitter, which proves this is not an internet problem, this is a social media problem. Contemporary artists aren't immune to these kinds of attacks. Kara's Water of Subtlety inspired a number of visitors to upload lewd pictures of themselves defiling the sculpture. This aggressive mistreatment underscores how undermining racial oppression and violence against the female body can be so readily acceptable once it is taken out of context and given a 140-character pithy statement. When Ai Weiwei recreates and restages the photograph of drowned Syrian refugee toddler Alan Kurdi, it is circulated ad nauseum on social media. The more it is liked and shared, the more removed it becomes from the trauma and humanity of the original image of suffering. Alternatively, social media has mutated into a kind of perverse moral police, where the depiction of a female nipple can block your account. Petra Collins infamously had a photograph removed from Instagram because it showed the top of her pubic hair. When photographer Ren Hang was recently memorialised on social media, thousands of images were taken down. Social media doesn't account for nuance or sensitivity. Without a doubt, art and authenticity are at stake. Number three, suffocation. Social media is depriving us of oxygen. We all feel the pressure associated with staying plugged in 24-7. We touch our phones on average an astounding 2,617 times a day. More than half of smartphone users check their phones between midnight and 5 a.m. Facebook is designed to make you addicted. And the obsessive way we access things like Instagram, as Ryan pointed out, is like checking the fridge 100 times a day to see if food has magically appeared. It hasn't. You are wasting your life. 
In 2015, Microsoft revealed that the human attention span has fallen to an average of just eight seconds. That's less than a goldfish, people. And the machine tethered to our palms is to blame. It is no coincidence that there has been a fall in attention spans. Social media is unsustainable and does a disservice to the process involved in every artist's practice. Artist Brad Trammell summed it up when he said, artists need to produce a constant stream of work in social media to ride atop the wave in viewers' news feeds, or else they just become part of the wave itself. Number four, I'm drowning. Social media is drowning our artists and galleries by forcing them to keep up a steady stream of uploads or face obsolescence. Social media is a marketing tool and distraction. It finds its way into galleries and museums in invidious ways where iPads are literally placed in and around exhibitions. I see visitors in museums and galleries and art fairs walking around looking down at their phones. These people don't need more personal barriers. They need stanchions. Number five, collusion. Social media is colluding against contemporary art by homogenizing, exploiting, and profiteering from artists globally. Social media companies make billions of dollars every year off artist capital. They run on a separate economy where companies like Facebook earned a profit of $27 billion in 2016. Instagram sits at $3.2 billion. Snapchat was just sold for a neat $54 million. In 2016, a study by the National Association for the Visual Arts in Australia found that 64% of artists earn less than $10,000 a year from their practice. Social media doesn't create platforms of economic democracy. It is exploiting and capitalizing off the backs of artists. Behind every hashtag, there is a social media corporation stealing artists' hashtag intellectual property. Artists don't give it away for free. Social media also aids in exploiting vulnerable arts practitioners by propping up the art market in favor of rich collectors. You all know Stefan Simchewitz, who uses Facebook and Instagram to flip the works of emerging artists at a huge personal profit. In 2012, Lucian Smith's paintings were resold for an increase of more than 3,000%. This is not an isolated story. Number six, theft. Social media enables and facilitates plagiarism. We've all seen artist works being reposted on Instagram without credit or worse, misattributed to the wrong person, recycled and repurposed. This isn't artistic freedom, people. Richard Prince's 2014 show, New Portraits, a Gagosian gallery, reflects this spirit of trespass, especially in light of the work selling us as much for, what were they, $100,000 at freeze? Number seven, deception. My final charge against social media is the way it skews our perceptions of reality. The slogan, you are what you share, perfectly encapsulates the perverse cycle of self-affirmation and cultural capital of our online entities. By projecting ourselves in such inauthentic ways, our interactions with each other become inauthentic, interfering with our ability to engage in meaningful dialogue. This has radically transformed the proliferation and consumption of contemporary art, which relies on nuance, complexity, and tension. In 1967, Guy Debord essentially predicted our current state when he wrote... All that was once directly lived has become mere representation. Or as Susan Sontag wrote, today everything exists to end in a photograph. Social media can only function as a, f as a replica and an imitation, and yet we think it is our reality. When I see art, I have an encounter with art, and something happens that I don't experience on my iPhone 6. There are works by Sophie Carl, Renika Dextra, Annie Leibovitz, Agnes Martin, Juliana Huxtable, the Mutty Mooley women... When I see these works in a life spent exploring images, I find these utterly moving and profound. It moves beyond the status update. In each of these encounters, I don't reach for my phone to picture a photo and comment hashtag crying face with a sad face emoji. I take a tissue from my bag and I take a moment to breathe. I'm anonymous in the crowd. I'm one person looking at art and you are another. We are together and we are alone. 
After this debate is over, you will walk out of here and back into the halls and look at the art because when you truly see a work of art, and in a sense the work sees you back, the art will alter you every day. Social media is shortchanging us. It consigns us to a representation of the subjective whilst masquerading as the truth. The seven deadly acts I've spoken of, dismemberment, arson, suffocation, drowning, collusion, deception, theft, demonstrate that social media is maliciously killing art. Social media has become so ingrained with our everyday existence that in the absence of its, the absence is significant and debilitating. This was a truth that resonated with me two weeks ago when I participated in a nude art tour at Sydney's Museum of Contemporary Art. I got up at 6am in the morning, it was International Women's Day with my 17-year-old stepdaughter. As we took off the final layer of our clothes, she looked up at me and said, it's weird leaving my phone behind. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this smart kid is standing with her stepmother naked in front of her with her regrettable 1990s tattoo unmissable and the only thing she can think about is leaving her phone behind. Is this where we are? This is because social media is an added layer. It creates more thresholds that we increasingly become reluctant to bridge. Just like the clothes on our back, we grow accustomed to the reassuring envelope of our social networking interface, all the while becoming comfortable with our distorted perspective on reality. When screens replace our natural sight lines, it can be easy to forget social media offers only a muted projection. My Instagram feed is not the sum of my personhood. Filters erase nuance and pictures crop context. It is in this way that social media is killing art because we are not inhabiting the self that art requires us to be. For that, we need to disrobe and lay ourselves bare. Art is powerful. Great art is transformative. Put down your iPhone. Social media is killing art, but art isn't beat yet. While you're alive, you're kicking. By all means, use social media. Just don't be used by social media. Thank you. With that level of intellectual energy, I now understand how you've managed 100 exhibitions in about 10 years. It's extraordinary. Um, finally, fourth and the second speaker against the motion, uh, Aaron Sato, the uh, director of the Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art in Nusantara, um, the hotly anticipated museum that will open in Jakarta this November. For over 15 years, uh, Aaron has curated numerous lauded contemporary art exhibitions with a special focus on promoting artists from the Asia-Pacific region. Previously, he was at the Queensland Art Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation of George Orwell's classic 1984 was pretty cool, and I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of Buddhist Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gallery and the Gallery of Modern Art in Australia, where he led the curatorial team responsible for the Asia-Pacific Triennial in 2015. Without further ado, Aaron Sito. Wow, Alexi. Good evening. Uh, good evening, friends and art lovers. I implore you to pick up your iPhones. <laughs> I'm actually going to send you all a message. Uh, the, the Twitter handle for the Intelligence Squared debate is actually IQ2Debate. So here's a little hello from me. Okay, so let's get straight to the point. Our friends on the opposite side here would have us believe that the very platform that enables free conversation, free networking, the things which open up opportuni- opportunities and which disrupt existing paradigms of thought and which has brought, brought tyrannical regimes to its knees is also the malevolent force which is destroying the very essence of the thing which we all love, art. It's a popular... No, I think actually that their position is a popularist position to suggest that there was a more idyllic time to think about art or to see art in a more rarefied situation completely negating and ignoring social media's potential to cut through the oppressiveness of the privileges of social class, race, and economy. Friends, let me ask by asking a question. Let me start by asking a question. How many of you have smartphones in the audience? Put your hands up, pull them out, show me. Okay. If you've got at least, keep your hands up. If you've at least got one social media account, you can, you can leave your hands up. Okay, that's a pretty big proportion, at least. There's about 250 people here. Alexi, you've got a phone. You've got a... (laughs) So what they're effectively saying is that the... Us as a collective of about 250 people, we have destroyed the art world by a quotient of about 250. So... Because I'm not using slides, I sent that, um, uh, that tweet to the, to the Intelligence Squared debate because later on I'm going to be illustrating some of the, some of the points on Twitter because we aren't able to use slides. Um, and I think it's just appropriate, really. So as, a de- as, we, um, as the debate's been unfolding, I really want you to only have one key concept in the back of your mind. The art world is bigger and more complex than what you already think. It's not just about us here. It's not just about us who are motivated enough or who have the means to travel and experience what has been a really extraordinary week of looking at and thinking and talking about art. I want you to to remember that art happens in all corners of the globe and it takes all kinds of physical and non-physical forms. And whether the opposition likes this or not, the internet makes up one of those important corners and it also infiltrates every nook and every cranny. Also keep in mind, social media is an open platform. It's democratic. It aids immediate communication across time zones and languages. Social media is a network. It creates communities of artists. It connects artists to other thinkers and other disciplines. It allows artists to see their work in broader social, political, and intellectual contexts. 
As a social, social network, it can demand change. Artists can harness its potential to, to disrupt. It removes bureaucracies in immediate ways. So if you really want to talk directly to a president, theoretically you can. It disrupts because it creates fluidity between class, race, and background. We don't need to necessarily fly here to be part of, a, part of this conversation, nor do we need our race or religion to be vetted to participate in, in its net many networks. Social media is free. I work in a country of over 259 million people. It is the fourth most populous country in the world. Its youngsters and people of working age form a group that is larger than its senior and children's, uh, children, uh, children demographics. So its desire for social media is theoretically huge. It is a ma massively growing middle class, approximately 110 million people, which grows year by year. It has 79 million active social media users, and this grows by 10% each year. It has 326 million SIM card subscriptions. So when you think about it, every person who has a phone not only has one phone, but they have two phones. This illustrates that Indonesia is a tru truly a country which not only craves communication, but is actively embracing social media. Yet despite this, it's still a developing country. It has extraordinary artists, and it has great collectors, but art infrastructure is lacking. It has little museum or gallery, uh, galleries. Art appreciation is relegated to particular classes of individuals who can travel or who have education. This is a reminder um, that for many of us, we take for granted the well-established infrastructures in our own cities. Indonesia is by no means the only situation where there are huge populations eager to know about art and culture without the means and, or outlets to do it. Uh, and so this is where social media comes into play, and it is a very valuable tool for art education. As I said, we're at, Indonesia is a developing country, and social media is cheap. It's quick, it's efficient, and it unifies a hugely complex, multi-ethnic and multi-racial society. Social media creates entry points. Of course you have to sift through the amount of information and misinformation and fakery, but this is not necessarily the, the, the fault of social media itself. This is the role of educators, of education, and this is also our responsibility as collectively as people who love art. From an educational perspective, social media also creates lists and indexes. So where you have little access to information, to books, to literature, to pictures, to art magazines, social media can allow us to point to it and for others to highlight their interests, to join a discussion or to put forward a dissenting view. And despite its complexity and the accusations of banality applied to these networks, social media does create criticality. A very important art historian who, whom I follow on Facebook from time to time posts complete lectures and criticism online. So he's not only teaching his own students, but others who are out, outside of his sphere, sphere of, um, uh, outside of his spheres also have access to the most amazing resources online. Social media break down, breaks down elite communities. It allows those with limited social franchise in, in the day-to-day -day world to articulate their experiences and make visible the things which elites fail to recognize and see. In the hands of artists and the artistic community, it is more than powerful. Social media can be transformational. There is a clear relationship between social media and social change, and here are just a number of, of um, um, examples. So Erdem Gunders 
the performance artist at the heart of the Standing Man protest at Taksim Square in 2013, quietly and silently standing in protest. This was a simple, passive, yet ultimately solitary political action that was amplified through social media and resulted in viral replications of the same action throughout the political standoff. The Women's March in, in 2017, how was that propagated? Ai Weiwei, and, and Alexis brought Ai Weiwei up. But if you, think, if you look back to some of the earlier works, the earthquakes, even giving agency to families who would not normally have the ability to speak up and be recognised. Agen Harahap, an Indonesian artist who, through, through fakery, through hoax, is, is creating new, new situations, new political dialogues. And Richard Prince... Again, another person who, who divides opinion. But what his work does, and the online discussions which it raises, it raises important questions of ownership, of intellectual property, of copyright. One of the most powerful property rights that an artist has through the act of creation. You do not have to agree with his position, but you do have to take note of the discussion. Art cannot die at the hands of social media. Art can only thrive. Technology creates new forms, new thoughts, and the best artists create art that is responsive to the here and now. Through social media, our geographies morph, and territories are reinscribed and reinvented. Relationships spring up in the most unexpected ways, and criticism emerges from all corners of the network. Social media is a springboard to something new. In the hands of artists and as an agent of art, the only thing to help it helps to collapse is the status quo, the conservative, the already known. Thank you. So th those are the cases for and against. Um, I'm going to give you the way you voted as you came in now. So on the motion, social media is killing art, 20% of you were for that motion, 54% of you were against that motion, and 26% of you are undecided. When you vote in about half an hour, um, it's your freedom and your right to be undecided, but I'm telling you it's a cop-out. <laughs> Not at the beginning, but at the end. Right, we, we're going to take questions from the floor. We do it in batches of perhaps two or three, and then the, the things will... I was going to say kick off on stage, but they'll be kicked around on stage. Um, we need to make sure there's a microphone uh, before the question's asked, but who wants to start asking questions from the floor? Uh, there's a question from the front here, just if you would wait for the mic to come. Yeah, great, here. And uh, is someone else going to do the follow-up? Yeah, and there's a gentleman over there, and then we'll... Hello. Yeah. Hello. Um, that's a, that's, let's assume we're talking just about the visual components of uh, social media but there's a clear difference between information and representation. And um, what, I guess the question is, on that basis, is social media honest? Right. Um, who wants to kick off there? Ryan, would you like to? Ego. So if I, I use it, and I get a real kick when I get 1,000 followers, 1,000 likes on Instagram, and I really feel like people... Put, so answer to your question, sir. Uh, I really feel like people post things because of their ego. It's self-gratification. Also, so this is the point of truth. Truth leads to fact. If you go on Instagram now and you put hashtag Ryan Gander, 50% of what you see is not my work. It's not even, even anything that I made. So, um, yes. So, it's, yeah, it's the honesty question, or dishonesty, or it's the appropriation, or the ability, or our capacity to be able to read that. 
Well, it's an idealised view of reality, isn't it? People post things that are a romanticism of their reality. It's what they want to be. Well, it certainly is with me. Uh, you want to show the best light, yourself in the best light. Um, that's not cohesive or helpful for learning. It's not helpful for creating discourse. It's not helpful for furthering your your work, your practice. It's uh, it's just instant gratification. It's like super noodles. <laughs> Alexi. Yeah, look, I mean, this is something we thought about and talked about quite a bit coming into this debate. Listening to Lisa tonight with her quotations of other people and her quotations indeed of herself, I was thinking, you know, it's not an honest representation. What we become is a series of appropriations, a series of quotations, a series of represented selves that speak to someone else's self, which is an echo of someone else's self. And all of a sudden, we're back in Plato's cave and everything is just shadows on the walls. When... For me, Aaron makes the argument that what the internet does is decentralize power and place the centers back in the edges and create a platform where images can be distributed from places that are farther away than closer. You know, I come from a place that's far away. The next stop after Sydney is Antarctica. And, you know, I, you know the internet is an important tool. Adelaide. <laughs> You'd have to turn to the right. <laughs> but, you know, the problem is that, you know, it doesn't decentralize power. These corporations that own these media platforms are gathering your algorithms, they are gathering your data, they own your information, they are only giving you back an echo chamber representation of yourself. Over time, the things you like, the things you see, become the things you see and like more and more. And eventually you are existing in such a narrow frame that Donald Trump becomes the President of the United States of America, and you actually don't see it coming. And you know, there is no truth in social media because it is you talking back to yourself in a series of quotations appropriated from something someone said before to someone else. The other thing I would also say is that I don't believe for myself that I can be who I truly am on social media. And I think vulnerability, our humanity, our ability to be altered and changed, my capacity to be wrong is important to my ability to be a curator, to look at art, to connect with artists, to speak with audiences. I get online and if I say certain things, I get trolled, I get bullied. As a woman, I get demeaned, I get put down, I get mansplained like you wouldn't believe. You know, it is this environment where for me to be an honest version of myself is to place myself not in a way in which vulnerability is power, but to place myself at the centre of a pack mentality. And sometimes the risk in art is not enough to support that kind of risk of personal violence and assault. Lisa, I thought your suggestion of the divide itself was, was quite honest in a funny kind of way. I didn't think you were taking us back to Plato's cave in a dishonest way, but maybe that's not what you mean. But uh, how, how do you respond to that? I kind of think you're missing the point completely. And I think we're talking about something else altogether. Social media is just one part of the problem. We're in big trouble, like really fucking big trouble. And if you want to talk about Facebook and Twitter, why don't you talk about Art Basel? You put a sculpture show out, and I'm supposed to encounter that with my body and feel something? You know what I feel when I walk around the fair? Depressed. Because the because I can't get any context at all from anything hanging in the fair. It's junked up. I mean, you talk about loss of meaning. This is like a huge trade fair, and I'm happy to come as somebody in the business and talk to people. I love coming here. And by the way, I come to Hong Kong. I don't have clients here. I'm not coming to get clients, and I'm not coming to buy. I come here because I can't look at it on social media to really understand I come here because I want to understand what's happening here, which is really important. But our problems are well beyond whether or not social media is real. 
I think, excuse me, hold on. I think social media is great if you're selling something. Sex, yourself, stuff in your gallery, whatever it is, branding. But I, I never take it seriously, and I would really hope that the smart people out here don't take it seriously. And I actually think it's this kind of academic, hermetically sealed crap that distances us from the people in the middle of the country who actually voted Trump in. And we need to, like, we're all complicit in it. I'm complicit in it. But the, the, the problem of social media is, is well beyond the internet. This has to do with our economic systems today and how they function. And if we just turn away from it, like, oh, it's bad, put your phone down. By the way, I absolutely think we need to put our phone down. I think they should leave a bucket outside and let everybody put it in. So I'm so sorry. Sorry, now I lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, I think um, I think we all need to pay attention. But I don't think it's about social media. I think it's much bigger than that. Yeah. Okay. Question there. Uh, microphone to come in. Hi, I'd like to direct my question towards the two speakers for the motion. So, um, Ryan, you mentioned that you teach students and um, that you've seen how social media has changed, how they approach art. And, Alexi, you also talked about your 17-year-old um, stepdaughter and how um, it's undeniable that social media has changed how, um, like her relationship with her phone. I'm 18 years old. My phone is part of my arm, basically. And I'm also an art student, so I'm going to be starting, studying fine art this September. Um, and so my question is... If social media is so undeniably permeated into our lives and it's not going anywhere, we all know that, how would you suggest that young people, young artists, um, move forward in how we engage with social media and any solutions that you might propose as to how we can not continue to encourage how social media kills art, if you believe that? We've, we've seen this uh, problem before. It wasn't social media, it was websites. When I was your age, I'm a bit older than you, but when I was your age, uh, you might not have noticed, but when I was your age, it was websites, and there was a lot of artists who were making websites, and they saw it as a self-promotional platform, they thought, how the hell am I ever going to get an exhibition, because no one will see my work, I never had a website, um, I still don't have a website, because I really believe that if you make art from the heart, it's a rhyme, art from the heart, uh, and you just keep that was pretty good isn't it that was good uh, and if you keep going then people will notice it and it only takes one person to see the work and they introduce it to two people and those two people introduce it to four people and there's a lot of rubbish about it so if there's something significant in the work people will see it it's like a snowball effect but actually I also find that when I'm curating show I'm not a curator obviously um but when I put shows together of young artists, uh, I'm really put off by social media and I'm really put off by websites. There's a certain amount of discovery, currency in discovery. Like if I was to give you an artwork on a silver platter, it wouldn't be as interesting as you finding something on the street. The idea that you've worked for something, you've invested time and research to understand the artist's life and the artist's process, gives you an authority over it and ownership over it and means more. And I just find social media and websites by artists at self-promotion makes me feel totally dirty and cheap. Not me, obviously, because I don't. Yeah, not you. 
Um, look, I was speaking with Ryan saying that really this debate is a little bit like the sort of transition of the horse and cart to the, to the car. You know, things change all the time. Platforms alter, things accelerate. Everything around us moves. We can't go back. Neither of us suggested going back to some kind of utopia in the past. Neither of us believe that. But, you know, when it goes from horse and cart to car, you have to drive the car. You can't let the car drive you. You have to keep your eyes on the road and you have to be aware of what's happening around you. And if you're not conscious of the fact that you are moving through a place in which you are not in complete control of the way in which you are, the implications of your actions or the way you are being read or the impact you can have on others, then it's negligent. And the things I described, like, you know, I'm laughing when I say dismembering up, but I'm serious. People are breaking shit. You know, when I'm talking about the suffocation of a surplus of, you know, communications, I'm serious. People get fatigued. You know, these things, in all the things I listed, I was serious because I do think they are creating a kind of subterfuge between us and an authentic experience of something other. Aaron? Uh, well, I suppose it would be one of an, a number of um, ev evolutions. I think it's probably... It's hard to say whether or not it's a big evolution or a little one when you're, when you're living in, in, in the middle of it. Um, uh, it. Of course, it has changed the way that people think, and we, we, we all acknowledge that. Into, I mean, uh, Ryan's anecdote about his, his relationship to his children, it, it's, it's, it, it has changed the way, way we think and how, how, how we interact with each other. But at the same time, um, the... Uh, art will always all, will also change with it, so it's not as if so. It, it's but it's it's um, it is part of a a, a, a revolution. But it, but is it a, is it a is it a big shift or a little shift? It's probably too early to say. Like the cultural, I sort of like the French Revolution. Yeah, it's still too early to say. Um, <laughs> Lisa, I think it's a massive shift. I think it's probably here to stay for a while. It'll morph, probably more into like a Talbo kind of thing. I think virtual reality will be next. I think that artists absolutely cannot turn their back on it. You have to, you have to fight against what it is and the invisible forces behind it. You have to make those visible for everybody to see, not just walk away and build a wall. That doesn't do anything. And nothing can kill art. That's like saying, let's just be hopeless, like we're screwed. I don't even see what the point of the question is to begin with for the debate, because especially going forward, we are going to be all about the visual. We are going to have robots doing manual labor. A lot of people are going to be out of jobs. Create, creativity will be the currency of the future. Artists will lead the pack. They have to lead the pack and have to create change, whatever the overarching capitalist or whatever framework that we're working in. Yes, Instagram feels like it's democratic. Are algorithms controlling it? Yes. That's bad. People don't really realize that. We're sitting in here talking about it, but somebody needs to make that evident, not just kind of complain about it. Let's figure something out. There's some interesting artworks in the fair, if you can actually like see something. And really, get, and really get meaning, because I think that's what we're talking about. One of the ones that really struck me was Jordan Wolfson's Real Violence. And I, I've thought about this for two days now. I don't know if everybody, has anybody seen it? It's a virtual reality piece in Sadie Cole's closet. 
And I guess it's one of the most talked about pieces in the Whitney Biennial in New York. And it's pretty bad. You put it on, and it's Jordan Wolfson really beating the shit out of a simulated person, but it looks quite real, and plus the visual reality really enhances it. It's almost you're going to throw up. I mean, it's really violent. And he forces you to confront it. And there's a lot of dialogue about it. I, I walked out going, this is crap. This is not art. I hate Jordan Wolfson. He's such an asshole. But then I kept thinking about it. I'm like, but he's a really good artist. And it was really interesting. And I think one of the points of it is that art doesn't really function critically when it's interactive, now, for the most part. And he really needed to separate those two things. You know, he could have put that on social media or in some other context, but he put you in a place of absolute helplessness where you had to watch him do this. And I think works like that, which are helping me to understand why we have a big problem, what's wrong with our society, that kind of criticality is important. You started off um, completely demolishing the question, then you lammed into the art fair, then Jordan Wolfson, but then you came back in the end, and that Jordan is not such a bad artist. Interesting trajectory. Let's take some more questions from the floor. I'd, I'd like to ask, what do you think the function of social media is uh, as art? Because to me, social media is, is a platform or a tool, and so it's not even clear to me what the, what the real question is, unless you can use social media to create art. And, uh, and then I, and so can you or cannot, or can you not? Aaron, have a crack. Um, sure. Uh, I mean, well, of course, art, art exists in all kinds of different ways. I mean, can you, can you create social media to make a painting? Well, no. But can you, can you use social media to, to, um, to make, to express a conceptual idea? Well, yes, you can. Amelia Ullman, sorry, is that okay? Amelia Ullman uses social media to critique social media, and it's actually pretty good. But for the most part, I would say there's really no need for too many people to use social media as the platform. I don't really think it's that interesting. Uh, Ryan, why aren't we we saying you can also use, uh, you can also make art from McDonald's drive-thru attendance uniforms and feathers and words and dance and the invention of cars? Or, you know, it's just one thing in a world that's amazing and everyone's upset. I think I really dislike any of those, those goggle works because it's just like, it feels like there's a lot of... It's like arrogant adolescence making art with the new technology. I, I agree. And when I look at people with those goggles on, I don't know whose work it is because it's just a person wearing goggles and I'll never put them on. But... Um, <laughs> I, I just, How do you know what they're like then? Because it's, it, this is the problem. You, you, have this, you have a new invention, you have a singular context and everyone yep. uses it. And this is the problem with social media. So there was... The, to reply to your question... There was a moment about maybe five years ago where I saw hundreds of thousands of works that used social media as a material or as a colour on a colour palette. Um, but it's one context. The, the point, all good art, is defies expectation. It's non-conformity. It's about people 
being interested in difference and diversity. And social media doesn't do that. It makes us all the same. It singularizes us. It shows us the top six things with the most likes that have been suggested to us again and again and again. And it doesn't show us all this amazing stuff that you'll see when you walk out of the convention center on the street, hanging from the roof, you know, real-life stuff. But, I mean, as an artist, I'm interested in difference. All social media gives me is a condensed version of reality, which is, is, has been made by an algorithm. Can I just answer this quickly? Um, for me, when I finished my statement tonight, I said, while you're alive, you're kicking, and that art isn't dead, and that there is still possibilities for alternates. And I don't believe that photography ever died, and I don't believe you ever really kill anything. I don't really adhere to these binaries, and when I was asked to do this debate, the fact that the debate wasn't social media has killed art, but is killing art, was important to me. I'm launching... I do think that there is a generation of artists who are using social media platforms in really interesting, intriguing, and expanded socially engaged ways, politically to look... specifically to look at the political space of local practice within a broader international perspective. I think that there is a remarkable generation of artists. When you saw things like 311 in Japan with Fukushima, artists created remarkable projects that gathered together people to see images in new ways of the tragedy that had existed in that location. We're launching a project with my organisation called 52 Artists, 52 Actions, which is a year-long durational online project bringing together socially engaged and political practice from Pakistan down to Samoa over 12 months, partnering with Instagram out of New York to create an alternate space for a new news feed with works led by artists. I do, in my own curatorial practice, believe that social media can be used more effectively, more efficiently, to support and decentralise certain centres of power and to bring complicated arguments back into the debate. Okay. Um it was a very lively and sometimes amusing debate, but we, we seem to have ended on quite a serious, and we're all seem universally depressed. Um, so, <laughs> which, which shows that we've managed to be nuanced and non-binary. Um, so the winner is, well, obviously La La Land, but um, the. Um, <laughs> um, actually, Ryan just said. I don't want to win or the winners matter. It's, it is actually more about swings and things. Very interesting, this. So before, just to remind you, 20% of you were for the motion, is, is uh, social media killing art? 54% of you were against, 26 were undecided. I'm really proud of you. There are no, there's no undecided. For the motion, from 20%, 49% of you are for the motion, 51% of you are against the motion. So... <laughs> in, in, in Britain, that would be cause for a rabid, hardline Brexit. It's less than that. But in the context of a discussion um, here in Hong Kong, I think everyone, from the, the you who voted to the people who took part, have taken part in a really interesting exercise. Thank you all, but in particular to our speakers, Lisa Schiff, Alexi Glass-Canter, Aaron Sito and Ryan Gander. Thank you. Thank you.